Welcome to Q Ideas with Gabe Lyons. Q is about conversation. If we're really concerned about ending poverty, we've got to be more concerned about creating justice. Our cultural products as Christians need to both defy and resonate with the culture. But God's doing amazing things. His church is expanding, His church is growing. It's not what's the purpose of my life, it's what is the purpose that's been assigned. Stay curious, think well, advance good. This is Q. Belonging is stronger than facts. And I think that's very true. And in an era where we are rightly concerned about misinformation, it can be tempting to kind of focus on fact checking or other ways of like making sure that we all have the right facts. Understanding who we are as creatures created to be in community and, and to um, belong to one another. It's important to realize that in some ways, misinformation is a symptom of unhealthy forms of community and belonging. Hi, and welcome to this week's Q Ideas with Gabe Lyons on Faith Radio. I'm Paul Perot with Gabe. Okay, question. When was the last time you looked at the news? <laughs> it's so easy to do with our smartphones giving us access to it right away. And it's not just a matter of there being lots of news presented. There are so many takes on the news, plus problems of misinformation and uh, so-called fake news. It used to be that we had the daily newspaper, then broadcast news, and then we got into the 24-hour news cycle. These days, Gabe, thanks to the Internet and social media, we live in a constant news cyclone. We can't seem to get away from it. It's hard for us to know how to read the times well. It used to be simpler. It used to be that the news was something you maybe read in a newspaper or you heard for 30 minutes or an hour every evening or maybe Nightline at 1130 at night, if you even know what that show is with Ted Koppel. Yeah, I remember that. Those were the ways in which we got news. But now we get news every day, all the time. And so today I'm interviewing Jeffrey Bilbro. And what I love about Jeffrey Bilbro's approach is he's looking at the news from a historic lens. How has it shaped us? How has it changed over the years? And, and what can we learn from the way we ought to think about consuming this type of information? He's the author of the book, Reading the Times, a literary and theological inquiry into the news. He's also the author of Loving God's Wildness. He thinks well. He takes his time. He appreciates history and appreciates the building story that we're in. I'm going to get into some questions I have about the new world we're in and the technology and the way in which that's contributing to division and polarization, but also how can we as Christians better understand the world, understand the times, and know how to navigate it, know how to stay out of some of these pitfalls of tribalism, of echo chambers. And so I hope you'll enjoy listening in to this conversation with Dr. Jeffrey Bilbro. Jeffrey, I'm so excited for you to be with us today and for our audience to get to hear so much more of your perspective around something that we care so much about around Q ideas, and that is understanding how ideas are shaping us, how they're forming us. And I've just appreciated your new book where you dig into this called Reading the Times, A Literary and Theological Inquiry into the News. And so I just want to jump right in. But first, just welcome. Thanks for being with us today. Well, thank you, Gabe. I'm excited to talk to you. Yeah, well, I, I want to just jump into this conversation. Uh, as I mentioned, you know, Q ideas, we like questions. We believe it's important to question. We think healthy skepticism is a good thing in the world. Uh, and we also believe we want to understand the times. We want to read the news, read the world, 
and come into the world discerning, trying to navigate what's true, what's false. Uh, and you get into so much of that in this book. And I don't think I've come across anybody lately who's been studying it at this depth and bringing kind of a history to how we should think about reading the news. And so give us a little bit of a premise as to why you were so interested in taking on this subject matter. Sure. I've been doing some uh, research on 19th century America and print culture and tech media technology changes in that era for uh, the better part of a decade, I guess, and working on a scholarly book. And then uh, in, in recent years, as the digital media ecosystem kind of has developed and uh, <laughs> not gone so well, as a lot of people have noticed, it struck me that a lot of the research that I've been doing in the 19th century might provide, as you, as you noted, a kind of historical perspective and help us to get a sense of our own context from a bit wider or deeper angle. So um, I talked to the editor at IVP and, and kind of thought about how I could bring in some of my favorite theologians and thinkers and writers and bring their wisdom to bear on the challenges of our current era. Yeah, it's interesting. I just finished reading a book by Neil Postman, who I'm sure I, I know is somebody you would read and care about on building a bridge to the 18th century. And he's really making the case that the 1700s were such a formative time in human history and for human flourishing. And almost since then, we've been in this decline. We kind of naturally think we're progressing as a civilization and everything's getting better. We're getting smarter. And yet you look back over the last 50 years and I mean, the data doesn't say that. And, and you get into this point, you know, the printed word, there's something about the way print hits us and shapes us and forms us, forms the way we reason um, that in a digital age and an image based age, we're losing. So how much would you say the digital move of us now reading digitally looking at, at more imagery, video, getting our information in that form versus the printed word. How much of that is part of the problem of us not knowing how to read the news or read the times well? Yes, I think that's a, a good observation and certainly part of the challenge today that so much of the information we take in is more image-based, more emotive, tends to elicit these strong emotions, either outrage or anger or excitement or what have you. And I don't want to pretend like the printed era was perfect. Uh, there are certainly problems with an overly uh, a mind or an imaginary that's fixated or formed solely on the basis of print as well. Each um, technological context has its own challenges or its own pitfalls, I suppose. But yeah, certainly our digital ecosystem, I, I think, tends to produce the kinds of thinkers and citizens and Christians that are apparent today in terms of uh, our cultural discourse, and, and it's not super healthy. You know, McLuhan had talked That's right. the idea of medium is the message. How, mu how much of that do you think is, is contributing to the issue? Yeah, I've been very influenced by McLuhan and Postman and that whole uh, tradition, and I think there's a lot of wisdom there that we would do well to attend to. And, and that's part of why it's not just a matter of, you know, changing the outlet from which we get our news or reading this instead of that or watching this story you know it's it's not just a matter of kind of quick fixes because the problems or the challenges are at the very level of the mediums that we uh, rely on yeah jeff it's fascinating to look at old testament prophets the role that they played and they always had this view of god and what he was up to in the world and they read all the news all the current events all the information 
through that, but it does feel like today we're not as astute in that way. Like we, we tend to read the news and it just kind of exists in its own world of information and news and happenings and events. And there's a little bit of a loss, it seems, of the larger biblical narrative. Would you argue that we need to recover that because otherwise the news is just noise when we can't put it through that grid? Yeah, exactly. I, I think it's not a matter of ignoring what's going on around us, certainly, but of uh, finding a way to view it through the significance of the biblical revelation and make that the standard of significance for what's going on. Because otherwise, uh, there are competing horizons of meaning that offer to make sense of the chaos of today. And I think those are the ones that I try to warn about. Yeah. And sort of urge Christians to recover a grounding in a biblical view. Yeah, because essentially whoever's communicating information to us does have some framework through which they're reading what's important, why it's important, how we should respond. Right. And without that biblical lens, it can get quite confusing. And I think a lot of people feel that confusion today. It's one of the great challenges right now of knowing who to trust and how do we determine what's fact, what's opinion, what's biased, what's unbiased. And so for a lot of people, they're either shutting it off and they're just not listening to information (laughs) as much, um, or they're consumed with it. All they can do is keep up with every opinion, every angle, what this person thinks, what that person thinks, what am I supposed to think to kind of get along in the world today? Uh, And I think it leaves people feeling a bit strained. Um, One of the aspects, too, that you bring into this project is you focused on the 19th century. Um, That was important to you, and I want you to explain why that was such an important era. I think the 19th century is helpful, uh, a helpful context for today, in part because that was when a lot of the industrial media technologies were first developed. And in some ways, binary code first became uh, used for communicating information across distances in the form of the telegraph, which is basically dots and dashes or ones and zeros. And a lot of American authors and commentators saw these really rapid changes happening around them. You know, we we have certainly experienced a lot of change in our own lives. But in some ways, the change from news spread on horseback uh, via letters or, or newspapers printed on hand presses to just a few decades later, you know, newspapers printed on steam powered printing presses and uh, disseminated with steam-powered railroads or, or steamships. Uh, it was quite quite remarkable and quite dramatic. So uh, I think people who live through that shift and that explosion of information have a lot of wisdom to offer those of us who are going through a uh, kind of similar acceleration today. Well, tell us a little bit about some of what we can learn. I know Frederick Douglass and Dorothy Day were a couple of examples that you mention and describe in this book as being helpful readers of that time and what was taking place. What what would some of our listeners today benefit from in understanding more about their perspective? Yeah. So I I talk about Henry Thoreau and his um, warnings against overconsumption of uh, the day's news. I mean, he, he talked about how, in fact, the title of the book is a riff on one of his quotes, which is, read not the times, read the eternities. Mm-hmm. And obviously, we tweaked that a little bit, uh, said read the times, but but hopefully read the times in light of the eternities. Uh, so he, he gave some counsel about how we might go about doing that, which I draw on. And I think, yeah, as you mentioned, Frederick Douglass is another example of someone who uh, lived through these technological changes and saw ways of using them to spread, in his case, 
this message about abolition and justice and biblical liberty through uh, communities forged by his newspapers and his speaking circuits. So he's one who, who uses these new technologies, but tries to do so in ways that foster community and build consensus rather than simply create more confusion and noise and yeah, spread chaos. When you think about it, I mean, do you, do you believe the human mind that we just weren't quite designed to consume all this information that exists outside of our local community? You know, because in these pre-19th century moments, news pretty much was about your life in your community and how it affected you. And when we move into the telegraph and we move into this season where information can spread now really globally, but without you having full context, it, it seems it can wreak havoc in the human mind. Yeah, that's right. And I think we need to put limits and recognize that we don't have an obligation or even perhaps the, the right to know everything about everywhere. That's that's simply impossible. And so we have to put limits. And, and some of the ways I suggest thinking about those are in terms of what do we need to know to love our neighbors well. And you know, in our global context, sometimes our neighbors are not just those who live in the same place as we do. We are related to people at distances, like right now you and I are having this conversation. But uh, there are still ways to, to limit the kind of in, influx of information and think about what am I going to do with this? How is this going to help me to to love others and to spread or participate in the kingdom of God rather than just, you know, entertain me or outrage me or infuriate me? Yeah, I know David French recently wrote a piece, and then I saw him on CNN a couple of weeks ago describing this outrage culture and how much when we're just picking up these bits and pieces of information out of context, we tend to over-associate with either those ideas or over-associate a population that we live alongside in too high a number to believing those types of extreme ideas. And we get angry. We wake up angry. We go to bed angry. We're frustrated all the time, but there's nothing we can do about it. And how this lack of embodiment is really not a Christian idea, that what you're arguing for is an embodied presence in our communities with our neighbors, and information should be used to help us better understand that. Uh, speak a little bit about this this point. You know, I keep going back to Postman just because it's fresh off of my my reading list. But, you know, he he talks about information. And this was 1997 when he wrote this book. But he was describing the information age and how obviously we have more information now than we've ever had. But that doesn't mean we have knowledge. And, and essentially you need from information, you create knowledge by organizing the information. And then from that, you gain wisdom. What you're arguing for here is we need to gain wisdom. We've got too much information. What are some of the practical ways people who are listening today could be a part of maybe reversing course in their community, in their small group, in their church, in their friend group, about how they're going to think about information and wisdom? Yeah, and the other key concept from Postman I think is helpful. He talks about the information action ratio. You know, how, how much information are we taking in versus what kind of response can we make? Right. And when that gets skewed, like you're talking about, when we have so much information, but there's really nothing we can do in response, it gets really unhealthy, but spiritually, communally, psychologically. So, yeah, I think kind of re, uh, recalibrating that, that ratio is important. Uh, and there are a lot of ways to do that, um, you know, maybe consume less information, 
but but also you know kind of open ourselves up to different sources of news so you know one of the things i suggest is uh, taking walks in our neighborhoods and through our communities and open ourselves to to what's going on around us and you know some of us live in in uh, insulated areas but a lot of us, uh, you know, if, if we go out our front door and start walking, we'll meet people from all walks of life, uh, Christians, non-Christians, all socioeconomic uh, statuses. And, and there are opportunities to really uh, learn about the needs of our neighbors in new ways. And then, then we we'll, might find ourselves paying attention to different kinds of news, you know, not just the news that affects who, who, we, who we might imagine ourselves, what, like, voting group or interest group to be yeah. but um you know other neighbors whom we might have a responsibility to to act on behalf of so uh, that's one idea or um finding particular topics to which god might be calling us to attend you know what what is the vocation that god has laid on our lives and maybe i can ignore a lot of stories but read some books or some long essays uh, about a few topics and a few issues that i might be called to engage with so go deeper on things that are more narrow. Yeah, I think that's wise. And in the, in a world where we could have access to all the information in the world, it's it's so important. It can be overwhelming. I know in our particular work at Q Ideas, we are trying to address so many of the different current issues and happenings, which forces myself and our team into being well-read about all the events taking place in the world. But you do have to step back from that. And I think this is where you get into the biblical lens and go, which of these stories, which of these news events or current issues are ones that we can really bring a biblical framework to. We can understand how it fits into the eternities, as you mentioned, how how it really matters to a person's soul, to their life, to flourishing. Uh, and then we pick and choose and try to discern and curate based on what does a Christian leader need to know this year? And, and that's how we approach things with Q Ideas is what, what in the year ahead are the conversations we need to be prepared for? And then how can we bring wisdom into this so that it's not just more information, it's not just more confusion, uh, as many Christian leaders have felt, I think, more recently, like as every year goes on, they feel more kind of confused. How do we bring wisdom to this? How do we simplify this? Because I think what happens at the chaos is we we really lose our orientation. And as you've stated, we got to get back to this biblical view. So how would you apply that in 2021? You've got a lot going on in the news, right? You've got a pandemic. We've got all kinds of discussions, you know, related to world governing together as it related to the pandemic. You've seen a lot of Christians start to read that through a revelation lens. I'm curious, can you go too far in trying to apply biblical lenses to current events? It seems that some people get in trouble when they do that and start to predict things and start to think they're really reading scripture into these events, but maybe it's not. And you know, you, you look back at the New Testament, almost every writing from from an apostle, you see that there's this expectation that they're in the end times, that the news of the day has communicated to them that our days are short, you know, and here we are 2000 years later. So what's the right balance to this? That's a great question. And uh, well, I, I, in the book, I try to uh, address that in part by pointing to the maybe not great example of Jonathan Edwards, who in general, I think, was a phenomenal theologian and a, a really important thinker, but who had a tendency to get caught up in these kind of apocalyptic predictions. And he, he kept a little notebook where he would keep track of world events that showed how uh, the Catholic Church was being revealed as the Antichrist and was going to, you know, be judged by the mark of the beast. So, you know, similar things have happened in recent years with stuff about, say, Trump and uh, King Cyrus and all these weird correlations between 
uh, what's gone today and particular Old Testament figures. So yeah, I think, you know, making these kinds of specific connections is probably a dangerous uh, route. On the other hand, I think it is important to, to try to, to read what's going on in the light of the biblical revelation. One example I point to that I think is helpful, maybe, is an illustration or an illumination in the St. John's Bible. And when the artist working on this, uh, this Luke anthology, was doing this, uh, the, the 9-11 attacks happened. And so in the, the sort of panel where he's describing um, the return of the prodigal son, he paints these two towers in, in gold leaf collapsing. And his idea is, can this story teach us about the hard work of forgiveness? What would it mean to forgive people who are culpable for, for heinous crimes? Uh, how, how do we really embody the Father's forgiveness in these difficult circumstances? So I think those kinds of questions are difficult, right? Um, but they might push us to to actually embody the, the biblical revelation and not just kind of cherry pick uh, right. biblical incidents in support of our uh, kind of predetermined political or cultural view. Right. And because it, it does seem history and the human heart are these predictive, they, they have these predictive attributes that history repeats itself. Right. Human beings continue to act the same way that they act. I mean, it's different right. tools, it's different means by which they might do it. But you see some of these same themes about power and sex and money that throughout history have always been part of the problem of sin in the world. You, you know, even the seven deadly sins, right. you know, that just show up throughout history. They just take on new forms. And uh, what I love about how you're approaching this is, is you're helping people step back. You're helping us all step back and go, let's get the broader lens. Let's not get too worked up about the current moment. Let's realize we're part of this grander story. And the better and more with more wisdom we can read this, which is going to happen in community more than just alone, we're going to have much more to offer to the world. And I think that, to me, is an encouragement, and I hope to all of our listeners is something that uh, really helps them reflect on it. Uh, when, when you wrote this book, I know it's always a big accomplishment when you finish a book like this. The, the subtitle, I love, A Literary and Theological Inquiry into the News. I mean, it's releasing in a year where we've had more news probably than ever, more sources for news. Let's talk more specifically about facts and opinions, and how, how should a Christian approach misinformation? How do we discern that? How do we determine it? You, you know, you've mentioned earlier having multiple sources, finding a lot of different places you're getting your information. I think that's really important. I know that's a big practice for myself. But w what are some other ways we can be discerning as Christians in a world where there's a lot of other competing ideas, narratives, uh, misinformation, propaganda that's going forward that, you know, the Christian has to have a, a anchor that lets us see that for what it is? Yeah, I think one of the sources I quote uh, Zanab Tufeki, a, a Turkish scholar. She has this line uh, where she says, "Belonging is stronger than facts," and I think that's very true. And in an era where we are rightly concerned about misinformation, it can be tempting to kind of focus on fact checking or other ways of like making sure that we all have the right facts. But I think it's, uh, you know, understanding who we are as creatures created to be in community and, and to uh, belong to one another. Uh, it's important to realize that in some ways, misinformation is a symptom of uh, unhealthy forms of community and belonging. 
And when we become more lonely or more isolated from each other, that creates the conditions for misinformation and different competing facts to thrive. Yeah. So uh, I think, you know, there's some good work being done on, on fact checking and, and those kinds of things. But I think the deeper work and the really important work is finding ways to, to belong well to each other as members of the body of Christ, first and foremost, um, but, but then also as uh, redemptive agents in our communities. So, yeah, I think if we really are committed to our communities and uh, in, in rooted friendships with one another, then it's more likely that we'll have friends and conversations that can kind of check us when we uh, might be prone to, to go down various rabbit holes. Well, this has been Q Ideas with Gabe Lyons, and we hope you enjoyed Gabe's encouraging conversation with Jeff Bilbro of Grove City College. He's also the editor for the website Front Porch Republic and the author of the book Reading the Times. As Christians, we can be smart. We can be intellectual, always learning, but also making sure we're running the news and all information through the right lenses, running it through the right filter, not being completely emotive in how we respond to every single piece of news that comes out how we can be thoughtful and learning from history and better understanding our approach to the news. Gabe, that's one of your goals here at Q. As you continue in our Q Ideas community, we're so grateful for you. Uh, Every week, we're trying to help you understand the news, understand current issues from a more historic lens. We don't like to just react or overreact to current headlines. We want to think well about this. We want to think well about how we approach issues and what are the roots and history of these subjects and how do they affect us in the future, especially as we try to process that through the lens of faith. And so reading the times, a literary and theological inquiry into the news, I would highly encourage you to read it. I think you'll be fascinated by the work that Dr. Bilbro has done in this piece. And I also want to encourage you if you're listening for the first time, or maybe you've listened to our podcast, but haven't jumped into the whole community, the Q Ideas community mostly gets its information and conversation from Q Media. And you can have a free trial to that. You can go to qideas.org slash trial. That will give you 30 days where you can access all of our playlist podcasts that we've curated as well content we're curating specifically with you in mind to help you as a Christian leader better understand how to navigate the chaos of our culture. So take advantage of that at qideas.org slash trial, and we'll look forward to talking next week. Q Ideas with Gabe Lyons is made possible in partnership with Faith Radio and Northwestern Media. Thanks again for listening. Thank you for listening to the Q Ideas with Gabe Lyons podcast. These conversations are available because of listener support. You can make your gift now at MyFaithRadio.com. To avoid missing future editions of Q Ideas with Gabe Lyons, subscribe to the podcast today at iTunes or on your podcast player. And thank you for sharing this audio link with a friend and growing the impact of Q Ideas with Gabe Lyons.